formed me in my mother's womb according to your plan you made each shiny finger and you made each little hand i am your creation you shaped each hidden part and this shall be my greatest joy to praise you from my heart, the heavens show the genius of your matchless skill. The earth displays the beauty of your perfect will. What precision is displayed in this fact? How can I, a child of dust, deserve the love of your touch? You formed me in my mother's womb according to your plan. You made each tiny finger and you made each little hand. I am your creation. You shaped each shall be my greatest joy to praise you from my heart. Some things about my life I cannot understand, but still I trust the wisdom of your master trust what you've begun. Your work of love is not done. You formed me in my mother's womb according to your plan. You made each tiny finger and you made each little hand. I am your creation. You shaped each shall be my greatest joy to praise you from my heart, from my heart, from my Thank you, Elena, for that song. Beautiful song, good words. God has created us. Here in our text this morning, we're in Psalm 100. Look there if you would, the 100th Psalm. I want to key in on verse number three for just a moment. <clears throat> There's a lot of debates about where we came from. Some people have bought into the lie that we are a cosmic mistake happened by accident. And yet I don't believe that in my heart at all. I believe that God had a purpose 
for every single one of us. In the Word of God, we find here, in many places, of course, we do see it, but we see specifically in verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. Capital L-O-R-D. Jehovah is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. I'm thankful that God has created us, that God has created us on purpose, with a purpose. I praise the Lord that God has made us and God has made us to have, to have a relationship with Him. And I want for us just to take a moment and to pray and to thank God for creating us, for God allowing us to know Him, for God enabling us to understand the things that He wants us to understand from the Word of God. And today, I want for the Word of God to speak to our hearts. And I want to encourage you to pray and ask God that God would speak to your heart today perhaps encourage you to, to grow in your faith, perhaps challenge you in decisions in the future. Um, and, but let's just stop for just a moment and let's pray. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that you truly are God. You're the one that made us. Lord, we did not create ourselves. We are your creation. And Lord, you made us. And Lord, you created us for a purpose. And Lord, that's to bring honor and glory to you. It's for your good pleasure we're created. And Lord, I pray that each of us would desire to live our life in such a way that would bring honor and glory to you, that would please you. And Lord, I pray that today that we would put aside preconceived ideas that perhaps the world has embedded in our hearts and minds about the whole concept of life. And Lord, that we would focus on what you have to say about it. Lord, that we would trust you alone. I pray, Lord, that we would not allow our societal norms or changes that take place that would cause us to move back and forth in our conviction when it comes to life. I pray, Lord, that we'd stand firm and strong. And Lord, I pray that also at the same time that we would demonstrate your love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a lot of folks that talk, are talking lately about Roe versus Wade. If you've watched the news at all, it's everywhere. Right now, since 1973, there have been over 60 million babies that have been aborted in this country. When I say aborted, I'm talking about early termination of birth. I'm talking about taking the life of that baby in the womb. We're talking about killing that child. Over 60 million. Can you get your mind around that? Can you wrap your mind? I can't even comprehend what 60. If we were to take the flags and try to put the flags out, we would not have room on our property to put those flags out there for the number of lives. And yet we have every day life that, that are being snuffed out, every 30 seconds, life that is being snuffed out. After, minute after minute after minute, there are lives that are, that are gone into eternity. And there are many people today that suggest that the Bible has nothing to say about the subject of abortion. And I'm here today to tell you that that's absolutely not true. The Bible has much to say about life and the sanctity of human life. And I, I can say this today, that if you're here today and the Word of God is just a, uh, a side note to your life, then what I'm going to say today is not going to mean a lot to you. But I challenge you today to come to the place in your life where you say that the Word of God is the final authority for me in my life. It's the final authority for me and my family. It's the final authority in every area of my life. It's the final authority of what we're going to look at and follow after and let it be the guide of what is right and what's wrong, where true morality is at. God tells us on such matters as abortion of, of what is right and what is wrong. And I want us to take some time today to look at it. When we think about abortion, there's a lot of questions that come up. 
um, a lot of things that we think about. And we, we think about where does it talk, you know, in the Bible, you, you can start just at the very, with the Ten Commandments, and you see, thou shalt not kill. And we can see many different uh, things through the Bible we're going to look at today. And, but I want us to start with just asking a couple of questions. The first question is this, is the unborn baby a human being? Let's start with that. Is it a human being? Of course, all of us are going to say amen to that if you believe in the Word of God. But I want us to stop, and let's just try to look at it. As a perspective of, okay, so is it a human being? Is that baby a human being? Is it an unborn person? Is it an unborn soul? Is it wrong to terminate the life of an unborn child? And I use the word terminate, and really what it is is to take the life, is to kill that child. Is it right to do that? And I think most of us here today, we already have an opinion on that. But, I, you know, I don't want you to say it's because that's the way I feel. By the way, we're never going to win this debate by saying this is how I feel. Everybody has a feeling. Everybody has an opinion. The only thing that will ever win this debate is when we say, thus saith the Lord, when the Word of God says something about something. That's where the power is at. Whether they acknowledge it or not, God's Word does not return void. You, if you want to have victory in this, this area, we need to hold to the Word of God. And so I want today for us to look at the Word of God, to give you some tools that will help you. Uh, for that person that says, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. For that person that says abortion, you know what, it's everybody's choice. And people that would try to sidestep the issue on, on whether that baby is a human being, a, a person, or a soul, and, and, and it's the individual choice of a lady to decide if she wants to terminate that. Listen, the Word of God is very plain and clear about this, and this will be some things that will help you, and I hope perhaps will help you to teach your children and to be able to help those perhaps that would have that conversation with you. And it will also help us to be strong in our conviction. It is my conviction that it is always wrong to take the life of an innocent child in the womb. It's my conviction. And it needs to be something we come to in our life that we're going to make a decision that this is going to be absolute. But what do we base that conviction on? We need to base it on something stronger than our will, something stronger than our emotions, something stronger than what we feel. We need to base it on the Word of God. And so... And in order to understand that, we're going to look at some questions, and we're going to try to answer them from the Word of God. The very first question I want for us to delve into today is this. When does life begin? Now think about that. That's a question I hear a lot of times when they're talking about abortion. When does life begin? They try to determine at what point in time in the gestation process is life. And I want to go back a little bit further than that. I believe if you really want to look at the subject of when life begins, you've got to go further, a little bit deeper than talking about inception or conception, excuse me. You've got to go back further than talking about that. And the fact is, is that human life began with Adam. When God shaped man in his own image and breathed into him, into his nostrils, he became a living soul. That's when life began. So you want to talk about the, the sanctity of human life, you've got to go back to the beginning of when it was created. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, And the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you realize today the life that you have transcends from that life that God created there that moment on that very first day of uh, that very first creation of man when he created Adam there? On the sixth day, that, that life is transmitted from generation to generation, an unbroken chain that links Adam and Eve with every child that's ever been conceived in its mother's womb. It goes all the way back to that. We've got to look at where this life comes from. It is created by God. It is, it, it is the sanctity of human life. We're talking about something that is special, 
that is holy, that God has created. It's something that's different than the animal kingdom and all the other animals in this world. It is something that came at the very, that, that from the very hands of God as he formed of the dust of the ground, Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And so that developing baby is a human life just as surely as a fully developed adult. We've got to look back at that, the connection of where it comes from. We're going to delve deeper, but we've got to start. Where does life begin? People want to start with that. I say life began when God created it, and he created man special in his image, in his likeness. And he gave him a living soul. The second question I want to address, is the unborn child a human being? All right, so let's talk about that for a moment. By the way, the word human... It means, in the Latin, it means from the ground, all right? It's talking about Adam, same, talking about the same thing, Adamic race. That's where we get the word human from. But if you look at the word being, the Webster's Dictionary defines human uh, and being as having human form or attributes. It further defines being substance, nature, or essence of anything existent, one that exists. Now, here's the question we think about this. Is there, are they a human being? Can anyone rationally conclude the unborn child is not a human being? Can you rationally say that that child is not a human being? Is there any way? You know, to suggest that it's not a being is to suggest that it doesn't exist. But it does exist. By the way, its DNA is unique. It does exist. Certainly it does exist. Therefore, it is a being. Further, to suggest that it's not a human being is to imply it must be some other kind of being. So if it's not a human being, then what is it? A pig? A duck? A cow? I mean, what is it? What is it? Maybe, it's, maybe it's vegetarian. I mean, maybe it's a fruit. I'm having some fun with this, but if it's not a human being, then what is it? It's something. We see that it is. Surely this developing child within the mother's womb from the moment of conception is a human being with all the potential of an Einstein or a Billy Sunday. We see that. Obviously, any time that we terminate or kill that that baby, take the life of an unborn child, we are in fact taking the life of a human being. Third question, is the unborn child a person? Okay. Take your Bible if you would. I'm going to answer that question. Look at it, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Very familiar passage for many. Maybe you've not seen this in a while, or maybe you've never noticed it. But I want us to look at it, Psalm 139, verse number 13. Here the psalmist is speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God of something very personal in his life. Notice what he says there, Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. I want you to notice here something. It's interesting. If you look at this passage, I want you to notice the psalmist refers to himself and his unborn condition with personal pronouns. He says, I, my, uh, uh, me. We're talking, he mentions this again and again and again, personal pronouns in his 
unborn condition, there in his mother's womb, he's referring to himself as I, my, me. Uh, ten times we see that there. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the psalmist openly declares his personhood, even while yet in his mother's womb, and affirms, he affirms the sanctity of life of the unborn. We see that there. Over and over, he says, I will praise thee. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. This is while he's in the womb. Jeremiah, the great prophet, said this in Jeremiah 1 5. He says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God is speaking here. He's speaking about Jeremiah. And so these passages, they plainly indicate that in the mother's womb, God creates a new individual, even as he created Adam in the very beginning. Consider the marvelous occasion when Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth. You remember the story. Mary goes to Elizabeth and several months pregnant with John the Baptist. Elizabeth is going to give birth in the future to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is still in the womb. He's that baby within the womb. And when the good news of the Messiah was declared that the Messiah was coming, the Bible says in Luke 1.41 and verse 44 that the babe leaped in her womb. John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth jumped for joy at hearing the words that the Messiah was coming. We see it, and also we also see that, that in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, that we see there that, that, that John was filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. The Holy Ghost only fills people, by the way, folks. It doesn't fill tissue. It doesn't fill inanimate objects or something that's just uh, you know, uh, an appendage. No, it fills a person, and the Holy Ghost filled John the Baptist in the womb. Now, it's interesting. If you look at these verses, Luke chapter 1, verses 44, and verse 41, and Luke chapter 1, verse 15, where it speaks about the babe there, if you look at the Greek word in those passages, you, you see the Greek word is brephos. And it's the same word that's used um, and, um, when, uh, throughout when you see talking about the babe in the womb. Now, if you look that word up in the Greek lexicon, it defines that word as this. An embryo, fetus, newborn child, young child, or nursing child. What's interesting, though, is this. And by the way, embryo is not a bad word. Fetus is not a bad word. It depends on context. All right, understand that. Just because it's an embryo or a fetus does not mean it's not a baby, folks. We're going to get more to that in just a moment. But with this word, what's interesting, when you go and you see that when Jesus was laid there in that manger by Mary, and, and you see that in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, the word that describes Jesus being laid there in that manger is the exact same Greek word that's used talking about John the Baptist in the womb. The exact word. When you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, when, when Paul is talking about how that Timothy learned from a child, and he learned from a child uh, the scriptures, the word their child is the exact same Greek word. And so it's, it's interesting. We see here the same word is being referred to, not one lesser than the other, from the womb to being a baby to being a child. The exact same word in the Greek. We see that. You know, in the infamous Roe versus Wade decision back in 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court concluded that the unborn child was not really human nor, per, nor person. That's the reason why we're answering these questions right now, by the way. It's because of the questions that they said they answered by that ruling. They said they was not a, they, that baby was not a person, that that person was not human, therefore was not protected by the right to life, assured by persons by the U.S. Constitution. Do you understand what we're saying today? 
We're saying that, the, that, that our government has passed a law that says that that baby in the womb is not a person, nor are they human. They're saying that they don't have the same rights for the pursuit of happiness, life, and liberty as we have. They're saying that they're not a human being. They're not a person. And so the Supreme Court concluded that the unborn fetus was merely a part of the mother's body, not a separate human individual. Now, can the Supreme Court get it wrong? Have they gotten it wrong in the past? Now, you're listening to the news right now. They're talking about, if you listen to the liberal news media, you're going to hear them talk about, oh my, if they overturn this, this is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened. They're so wrong. It's been law since 1973, all these years. It's been law of the land. They can't just go and change it now. I mean, you listen to all their arguments, and I I just sit there and I go, oh my. I can't listen to a whole lot of it because it really irritates me. But it makes no logical sense at all. It's as though what they passed in 1973 must be absolute, and it's not, folks. It's absolutely wrong if you want to say absolute anything. But it's not absolute law that can never be overturned. How do we know that? Because we have seen the the Supreme Court pass laws in the past that were overturned, rightfully so, years later. In the past, we've seen that. Let me give you, for instance, you know, when you think about Roe versus Wade, it's reminiscent of the Dred Scott decision. Now, you're hearing a lot about Dred Scott if you've listened to any speeches lately. Dred Scott... The decision was a horrible decision by our Supreme Court. They, they, the Supreme Court concluded that black slaves were not really persons and therefore had no rights under the Constitution. I'm sickened by that. To say that because of the color of a person's skin makes them not a person? I look around this room and we've got multiple colors of skin. I mean, we've got multiple different descendants of people. We've got people that come from all different parts of the world. The color of your skin doesn't make you a person. I can tell you this, when they talk about what race you are, I say I'm part of the human race. There's only one. That's why I have a hard time filling out some paperwork at times. (laughs) I can become a little bit obnoxious about it because I'm not Caucasian. I didn't come from the Caucasus region over in Europe. That's not where I'm from. That's what that means, by the way, folks. That's not where I came from. I came from when God created and he formed Adam from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. When God then said it's not good that man be alone, when God created Eve as that helpmeet for him from the side of David to come alongside him and be that helpmeet. And God told him be fruitful and multiply. And generation after generation, that's why we're here today, folks. It's not because of some accident. It's not because we evolved. It's not because it somehow that, that through millions of years. No, it's because God created. And when God created, he created us all equal. You know, that's what our forefathers understood. Don't listen to the lies. They're trying to blacken the testimony or the, 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 um, the name of our forefathers, saying they were nothing more than uh, black-hating slave, lover, uh, slave um, um, owners and traders. Don't listen to that. Do a little bit of research. Do a little bit of reading. Read what they had to say. You realize that, it, that for a hundred for hundred years that the, the Western, I'm talking about the Western countries, the only ones that were saying that slavery was wrong? You have to go back and look at it. Long after slavery was outlawed in this country, there were still Arab countries that had white people as slaves. Go, there's pictures of it. You can see it. And I'm not trying to start, all I'm trying to say is this. That slavery is wrong, and they've tried to get everybody to, to focus on this. And we're hearing a lot. I've heard Dred Scott being used in such a way about voting laws right now. 
they don't, people don't even understand what this Dred Scott thing was about. What it was about was saying that black people really aren't people. Yes, they are. And all of us, no matter what color we are. And so if they could be wrong on such a, a ruling as that, which, praise God, was overturned, do you think the Supreme Court could be wrong about 1973, Roe versus Wade? Absolutely. And it needs to be overturned. It's even worse than Dred Scott. It's even worse than Dred Scott. Over 60 million babies, red and yellow, black and white. 60 million, and by the way, it favors killing more black babies than it does white babies. All you got to do is look at statistics. About 26% of abortions that happen in this country are from black ladies. And yet you look at the percentage of black women as far as the whole, and the number is, 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 is a third and yet they're, they're, they're way over the number as far as black. If you go back and you look at what, what happened uh, in our country and, and the organizations that were started that have their roots that go back to racism, and it's, it's rooted in racism. And yet it's worse because you're talking about killing that innocent child within the womb. Yes, Roe versus Wade was established in 1973, but it was wrong. It was absolutely wrong. I want you to think about something with me. Isn't it interesting to note that most often when someone is planning to terminate the life or to take the life of that baby, that unborn child, and destroy the miracle of God's creation, they refer to that, that within them as a fetus or an embryo? You ever notice that? They talk about the embryo if they're talking about abortion. Yet if they're going to have a baby, what do they say? Oh, this is my baby. They talk about it as a baby. This is my baby. They don't, they don't, they don't, this is my embryo. No. This is, this is my fetus. No. This is my baby. You know, circumstances don't change what's inside the womb. You understand what I just said? Circumstances don't change it, whether it's convenient right now or not. That doesn't change what's inside that belly and that womb and that precious place that God has made to be the safest place to, to be able to protect and to hold that baby. Based on what you're thinking at the moment doesn't change what's in there. It is a baby. And that's a precious baby, a precious creation that God has made. Next, another question I want to think about. Is the unborn baby a soul? Is it a soul? The Bible doesn't teach that man has a soul as a separate part of their anatomy. Uh, it doesn't talk about it as a liver or a lung. But rather that man is a living soul. And he became a living soul. When God created man in his own image, he distinguished him from the rest of the animal kingdom of creation by breathing into his body the breath of life, and he became a living soul. We're the only of God's creation that are a living soul, by the way. God created us to be able to be with him for all eternity. That's how God made us. He, he created us to live forever. We know that sin came. The Garden of Eden, you know the story, you've got to go back and you see what happened as a result of sin. For the wages of sin is death, sin causes death. And we see the, the severing of relationship and what happened. And the reason why Jesus Christ came was because of sin. Every one of us, we were born dead in our trespasses and sin. We were born a sinner. Christ paid our sin debt. But he paid for us because he loves us and we are Every one of us, we have a soul. We are a living soul, and you're going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. And That's what the Word of God teaches us. And so when you talk about this baby, whether or not they have a soul, yes, they do have a soul. They're precious. 
You see, when God created man, he created him both spiritually and physically. Body and soul and spirit. This fact alone, by the way, I tell you, this fact alone should demand the utmost respect because of how God created us. You see, we're the pinnacle of creation. God made us special. God made us so special. God loved us so much that even though man sinned, even though that we are sinners, God was willing to come down in the flesh. He was willing to live a life we could not live and and be willing to die on an old rugged cross to pay our sin debt. Yes, that baby has a soul. And so the next question is this. We go through, yes, there's a person, yes, they're part of the human race, and yes, they have a soul, and and, and, and according to the word of God, we see where life began and how that life is passed down and, and how that we all are part of God's creation and God made us special. So here's the question. Is abortion ever justified? You ever played that game with somebody? But what if? The what if game when it comes to abortion? What if? Even though the Bible clearly commands thou shalt not kill and even though the Bible continually affirms the sanctity of all human life, The Bible does allow the taking of human life in instances of of, of flagrant and serious crimes, such as murder and rape, incest, child sacrifice. We see that in the Bible. These are capital offenses. Some people say that you can't have capital punishment because of the sanctity of human life. And yet the Word of God tells us that there are times when capital punishment is needed. God's Word guides us that way. All right, so we see that. I mean... um, you have to understand something, though. These instances where, where God allowed it or even commanded the death of a human being, it was in response to the person's serious crime. It's because of something that they had done. But listen, God does not condone the death of an innocent human being. Never does He condone that. There is no instance in the Scripture where the Bible teaches or God condones the death of the unborn child. You know, most Christians have concluded that in, in, in those very few instances where the life of the mother is at stake, that an abortion is justified. You ever had somebody talk about that? Maybe you even had to face that. The life of the mother is at stake. What do I do? How should I respond to this? I'm thankful that, you know, most of that argument is completely nullified because of the condition we live in today. They have cesarean section and they're able to take that baby. And most people that would claim that, it's not even true. And for that matter, it's less than 1% of 1% of people that actually have abortions because of that reason. It's such a small fraction of the what if. That's where your faith has to step in, though. That's where your conviction has to step in. You have to make a decision. You've got to make a decision whether or not you're going to trust God or you're going to trust man. This is an issue that you have to make a decision for yourself. And I said earlier what my conviction was. And you have to make a place in your life where you have a conviction. I, let me just say this. I believe that for most people that are claiming that, it's nothing more than an excuse at best. It's nothing more than an excuse. But how about this? What about rape and incest? Is that a justification for abortion? Evidence indicates that less than 1%, there we are once again, it's a, small, it's a bigger number than for the health, but less than 1% of the abortions in America today are the result of rape or incest. And yet, if you listen to what they're saying, they'll talk about that all the time. Well, what about rape and incest? Talk about the health of the mother. They'll talk about rape and incest. Does an act of violence against the mother justify an act of violence against the babe? Does it? No. Does destroying the unborn baby eradicate the tragedy of the rape? No, absolutely not. The tragedy of the woman being raped is not eliminated, but it is compounded by killing the baby. 
You know the Bible has something to say specifically about this? In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 25, notice what it says. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. Capital offense. It's rape. The man only, it says. That's pretty specific, is it not? The man only. How about Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16? Listen to what this says. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Every man, person, individual, for their own sin. The father's not put to death for the children, neither the children for the father. Hmm. So there's no question there, if you're following the word of God, what God's word says. So if it's rape or incest, killing the baby is against the word of God. It's wrong. How about this one? Is the possible abnormality of the unborn child justification for an abortion? I've heard this one. I remember when we were... um, having children, and I remember at the very beginning having Jessica, and I remember our doctor suggesting that we get these tests run to find out if there's any abnormalities. And, I, and you know, I hadn't even thought about that prior to that. It was something like, they have tests to find out if there's something wrong with it. I didn't know anything about that. Nobody ever talked about it. Never even heard of it. And, you know, you had to think about it. Should we get this test? Should we? And we prayed about it. It was something, and I'm not against getting a test as long as the, the reason for getting the test is that you might treat the baby if there's treatment available. Good. That's a good thing. But most people aren't getting the test for that reason. They're getting that test because they want to find out if there's an abnormality. If there's an abnormality of that baby, then they have the opportunity to get an abortion. In other words, to take the life of that baby because that baby might be disformed, um, um, might, have, uh, might have some kind of physical problem, might have some abnormality, and might not be able to, they might be, uh, uh, have, be retarded in their thinking and understanding. By the way, that's not a bad word, it's a descriptive word. And, and so, you know, people today, they get this test. You know what's so amazing about that test? It's not flawless. You know, I found out a lot about tests this year that they don't come back always the way you thought that they would and they don't make sense. Are you, all, you know what I'm talking about? You know, the, the idea that our medical world has all the answers, I think we know the truth to that now, don't we? That all being said, I'm not against them. What I'm saying is we need to pray about things and use the, this right here that God has given to us to make good decisions. But I'm saying this, is, you know how many times perhaps they've been wrong on that test? I've known people that have had that test and found out there was something wrong, and they had a full-term birth and a beautiful child with no problems. I've heard that happen again and again and again. I've also known people that have had that test and found out there was a problem, and it was true. And God gave them the grace that was sufficient. And God gave them a blessing they never would have had if they had chosen death for that child. I've seen it happen. So let me ask you this question. I want you to think about this. Would you consider abortion in the following four situations? Let me lay them out there for you. Just think about it today. A little bit different kind of message, but I think we need to understand things. We need to find out where we're at and have a conviction of what we believe, not just follow what society says. So let's think about this. All right, I'm laying a storyline out here for you, and I want you to make a decision in your heart. I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud. These are all true stories, by the way. Here it is, first one. 
There's a preacher and wife who are very, very poor. They already have 14 kids. Now the wife finds out she's pregnant with the 15th. They're living in tremendous poverty. Considering their poverty in the excessive world population, would you consider recommending she get an abortion? You know what's sad is that if you read that to a lot of people, they would say absolutely. I dare say probably most people here would say no, 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 no. No way. You see, because if you had said yes to that and actually encouraged that, you've just killed John Wesley, one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. Decisions have consequences, folks. great evangelist, part of great awakenings and revivals that happened in this country. And yet, if you had made a decision based on what a lot of people choose today, he'd have been dead. How about this one? The father is sick with syphilis. The mother has tuberculosis. They have four children. The first is blind. The second is dead. The third is deaf. And the fourth has tuberculosis already. The mother finds out she's pregnant again. Given the extreme example, would you consider recommending an abortion? Think about that for a moment. Blind, deaf, tuberculosis, and one already died? You ever heard somebody say, I don't want to bring my child into this terrible world that we live in today? I've heard people say that. Wow. Some people would say yes to the situation. And if you did say yes, and they did listen, you would just kill Beethoven. How about this one? A white man rapes a 13-year-old black girl and she gets pregnant. If you were her parents, would you consider recommending an abortion? What if it was your child? Your daughter? It kind of gets personal, doesn't it? Think about that. I mean, it's a terrible occurrence. What a terrible situation. If you said yes to that, to have the abortion, you just killed Ethel Waters, the great black gospel singer. She was born in the 1920s. Something you might not be familiar with, but we're talking about people that went on. And by the way, just because the, the person maybe doesn't have their name written down in history, they're still a human being, a person with a soul. How about this one? A teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. She's engaged. Her husband-to-be is angry about the situation, doesn't know what to do, doesn't like the fact that she's expecting a child, and it's not his. What do you tell her? What should she do? Huh. If you said yes to that, to abortion, you just killed Jesus Christ. Over 60 million. What contribution would they make in this earth if they were still here? I'm not God. It's not just tissue. It's not just something that a mom has a choice. You know what's interesting? That they say you have a choice to do with your own body as you please until it fits their narrative. Until they say that, no, no, you don't have a choice of whether or not you're going to get a shot or not. And I'm not trying to make this political. All I'm trying to say is it's amazing how people are so blindsided. People will say these things about a child in a womb and say it's a mother's choice. That child in that womb 
is precious. It's a creation that God has made. It's a child that is, yes, a person. Yes, is part of the human race, and yes, has a soul. But God created, and God created them on purpose for a purpose. So what do we do? What can you do as Christians? What should a Christian do to curb the wholesale slaughter of the innocent unborn? I can tell you this, we ought to take a stand for what is right. We ought not keep silent on the issue. And I, when I say that, I'm talking about doing it the right way. I'm not talking about marching out and beating people up. We're not talking about that. We're talking about taking a stand. And ways that we can take a stand is, is, is teaching and, and preaching and proclaiming the sacredness and sanctity of all human life, both born and unborn. By the way, this subject doesn't just cover the, that baby in the womb. It covers that baby that's born with a disability, that covers that, that person at the end of life and, and, and talking about euthanasia. Understanding that life is sacred. We ought to support the efforts of those that are seeking a constitutional amendment to prohibit abortion. Get on board with it. Don't be ashamed to get on board with it. Support candidates for office who will work for legislation and a human life amendment. I can tell you this, that you can say, well, your litmus test is very narrow. It, you know what? It starts with the Word of God and ends with the Word of God. And if somebody is pushing something that is contrary to the Word of God, I can tell you right now that tells me whether or not I'm for that candidate or not. And I can guarantee you if they're for abortion, they're contrary to the Word of God. And any Christian that can vote for a person that is for abortion, something's wrong. We ought to be supporting candidates that are against abortion abortion, and pro-life. How about this one? Oppose the federal use of money, tax money, for abortions. Oppose it. I can tell you this, I don't want my tax money going to take the life of some innocent child. We need to take a stand for that and oppose the funding of institutions that facilitate abortions. Uh, the folk, uh, the, what's it called? Family Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Look into the history of that. I, I challenge you, go find a good source and look at the history of Planned Parenthood. Look at the lady that started Planned Parenthood and look at how racist that she was. Her whole intent behind it was to cut down on the number of black people in this country. Go look it up yourself if you don't believe it. Planned Parenthood is a racist group. Hmm. Once again, proportionately, there's more black babies being aborted in this country than any other color of skin. Oppose giving a federal money to them. Preach, teach, proclaim biblical instruction regarding, now listen to this one, not just against abortion, but preach, preach teach, proclaim biblical instruction regarding proper sexual relations. You say, how do we get to where we're at in our country? It's because we haven't stood firm on marriage. One man, one woman for life. Having children within the holy bonds of holy matrimony. Now that being said, there's, there's many people that are here that have been through a divorce and have had children in different relationships. And what I'm, listen, what I'm saying today is, is not to condemn. I'm sure you'd be the first one to say, I want my children to be in one relationship with one man or one woman, if they're male, Marrying a woman, if they're a lady, marrying a man through their life and having children that way. Because, man, the, the challenges that we face because of this has been so difficult. 
we have, we have, we have seen, you know, it's easy for us to try to attack that, the, 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 the abortion uh, subject, the, the gay marriage subject. The problem lies is where our country has lost its moral standing when it comes to marriage, when it comes to life. Teach abstinence to our children. But they can't do it. Yes, they can. You know how I know they can? And I don't do that because of me. I'm saying my mom and dad taught me that. And it's doable. You can do it. It's a lie that you can't. Teach abstinence to our kids. If you're an adult, live pure in your relationships. Set an example. You know, it's easy to get a lot of amens when it comes to talking about abortion is killing people. We talk about now that we have to live this way, it's a little more difficult. You see, because the problem, a lot of these problems that we're facing right now is because they're lying right at the Christian's door. You realize that in the, the evangelicals, and I'm, I know it's a big term, there's more divorce rate in the evangelicals than there is in the Catholic and the mainstream Protestants, percentage-wise. There's more in what they would call, and they put us in that, even though I understand the difference. I'm just talking about statistically. It ought not be so. All of this stuff is so interrelated. Let me tell you why. Here, let me give you a statistic. Promiscuous sex. In 2019, unmarried women accounted for 86% of all abortions. Are you understand what that means, right? That means that 86% of the abortions that happened in 2019 were as a result of a relationship that was a wrong relationship. They got pregnant because they were involved in a wrong sexual relationship. Among married women, 4% of, of 2019 pregnancies um, ended in abortion. 4%. Okay, are you listening? 4% of married ladies. Among unmarried women, 28% ended in abortion. Of all the, 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 the pregnancies of unmarried ladies, 28% ended in an abortion. And so we need to understand that there, there's a reason why we see so many of these, and, and it goes back to the sexual revolution and the, the breaking down of the home and the breaking down of the relationship. And these are areas that we need to stand strong on and teach our young people about abstinence and teach our young people, by example, what a proper relationship looks like. And, and, and if we've made mistakes, you know what? I, let me just say this. Don't go back and tell your kids everything you did in high school, first of all. But if there's some mistakes you've made in your life that are obvious, share with your, your kids about the mistakes and say, listen, you don't want to do this, and I'm telling you why. Share with them biblical principles now of what you're standing on. We can't all go back and fix the past. I'm thankful that we have a God as a God of second chances, and I praise the Lord for that. There might even be some that are here today that have had an abortion. And listen, I'm not here today to, to, to yell at you or to point my finger at you. I'm here today to say this is what the Word of God says. But I'm thankful that the Word of God also includes the fact that He is a gracious God, that He is a merciful God, that He will forgive you of no matter what you've done, God will forgive you of that. And there's forgiveness to be found in no matter what you've done, if it be that promiscuous relationship, the wrong things that have been done in the past. Make a decision today that you're going to live right. Make a decision today that you're going to share that. And you know what? When we talk about minister and counseling and preaching and teaching, make sure that we do it with compassion and love. God's love. A love that has no strings attached. A love that 
it, it, it's, it's right there for the person. And, and not a love, listen, it, love can be tough at times. We understand that. I, I know what you're saying by that. But you know what? There's a lot of, a lot of people would look at our church and say, and, and they'd be afraid to come get some advice from somebody here because they're afraid what they're going to say to them. And, and I understand that. But we need to make sure that we are showing love toward them. Don't misunderstand what I just said. What I'm saying is they'll go to somebody in the world because they won't be judged. Because people preach things like what I'm preaching today. Let me tell you this. I'm not the judge. God is. But what I know is this, is that God is a God of love and God does forgive. And when we go to people and try to help them, we need to make sure we do it with compassion. Compassion to the unwed mother. Help her to see that adoption, not abortion, is a better alternative. Help her to see that. You realize that people that are looking and asking the question, a young lady that's asking the question what I should do, she's going to get three to one. Three times more people telling her to get an abortion than the people telling her to get and to have that baby adopted. Three to one. That's what statistics tell us asking them. So minister with compassion. Get involved and try to help. This, this uh, month we're talking about Love Works. We're talking about having this baby shower for our local um, community um, center that's helping people. It's the West Shore Family Support Center. And it's to help people that are going through such questions as we're talking about. And I would encourage you to pray for them and, and to, for us to be able to help with that um, and to be able to give toward that. And so in, in closing this morning, I know there's been a lot we're talking about. I haven't even looked at the, it's only 1201. We're doing all right. But we've covered a lot. But I want to encourage you to pray. Pray earnestly and anxiously for God's direction as we seek to affect in every way we can the serious issue of abortion, the serious issue of the life of that child, the innocent being taken. Let's pray that God, God will allow us to see the end of Roe versus Wade in this country. You know, we're so close right now. There are things that are happening right now that we've been praying for for years. And I encourage you, would you pray now? We as a church need to pray. And I, the, today, the, the invitation is this. It, it's a couple fold. Number one, if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, I invite you to trust in Him today. Number two, I ask you today that if you are carrying a, a burden, maybe there's something you've done in your past you know is wrong, and it might have been something, a decision that you made at, at an earlier time in your life, you've never sought forgiveness, I invite you to ask God for forgiveness. God will forgive you if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're carrying that guilt. You're carrying that weight. Ask God for forgiveness. He'll cleanse you of that. God will forgive you. You're here today thirdly. Would you pray? Would we as God's people, would we pray that we would see in this time, in this, this I mean, pray right now that we'll see an end to Roe versus Wade, that we will see this thing overturned, that we will see that, that people will identify and see what God has already said in his word, that that baby is a beautiful creation, that baby is a person, that, per, that baby does have a soul, that baby is an individual that God has created. Would you pray that God would allow us to see Roe versus Wade overturned? Would you pray? Would you ask God? Would you pray for our leaders? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for guiding us. And Lord, you've made it very clear. And Lord, we look back at the beginning of life when you created. There with Adam, you breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living soul. And Lord, you did all of that that we might live with you and have a relationship with you. And Lord, we are 
wonderfully and marvelously created. You've made each of us special. Lord, I thank you for the life that you've made that is truly precious in your sight. And I pray, Lord, that we would see an end to abortion in this country. Lord, I pray that we as your people would take a stand for what is true and right according to your word. Live by conviction. And Lord, I pray that we would live personally living lives of holiness unto you. Living lives that would set an example of what it's supposed to be like according to your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, to, to, to see others as they go through challenges and questions, that we'd be able to have a testimony to be able to share with them and to love them to you. Lord, speak to our hearts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you today, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been born again? Is that your testimony? Was there a time and a place in your life when you realized you were a sinner? You realized the penalty of sin is death. That's what the Word of God says. And you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and paid your sin debt. And you by faith trusted in Him as your personal Savior. If that's your testimony, you say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I've been born again. Is that your testimony? Would you raise your hand up right now? God bless me. Put your hands down. Maybe you're here today, you don't have that peace, you don't have the assurance of knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Listen, God loves you. God wants you to know that today. Could I pray for you this morning? I won't call you out, I won't embarrass you, but right now, if God is speaking to your heart, you say, I don't have that peace. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. If God is speaking to your heart right now, would you just slip your hand up? Anybody like that today? You say, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't have that peace. Christian? God spoken to your heart today? Something you've been carrying, would you give it to the Lord? God loves you. God doesn't want you to carry that burden. Christian, would you make a stand? Would you make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to live a life, a life that brings honor and glory to Him? Mom, Dad, would you make a commitment that you're going to raise your kids and teach them about abstinence? Teach them the right way of having a family, the right way of having a relationship. Would you make that commitment? Christian, would you pray? Would you ask God to, to change the direction our country is headed in? Would you ask God to get a hold of the leaders' hearts? Would you ask God to change leaders if need be? Would you pray that God would allow us to see an end to abortion? Would you pray for our Supreme Court? Would you pray for this country that there would be a turning away from sin and a turning back to God, a revival. Lord, I pray you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts.